Hey guys, welcome to TGS. We've got Tim Weston from the NGO here today and we're going to be talking about deer, uh, deer meat and deer managers. Um, so it might trigger you if you're a deer manager, so I do apologise um, that there'll be maybe some less sensitive things that come out of my mouth at least. Um, let's start with deer meat. That's a big one, right? Um, it's not worth anything at the moment. Well, I think it's always got an intrinsic value. It, it, that's a really, really deep question, Johnny. Oh, oh my God, no, all right. I'm, I'm up for that conversation, actually, okay. because, yeah. I mean, it's strange in this country that we can sell it at all, which is a start, which is nice. Yeah, no, you're right, it is. I mean, in the States you can't, and much of Europe you can't, but does it have a value today? It's got a lower value today than it did in November last year, December this year. And we've got several factors into that. Okay. There, there, there's an import issue. So deer venison is being imported to the UK. From New Zealand Pre is the often... Predominantly yeah. New Zealand, Spain, funnily enough, and Australia are the three biggest importers at the moment. By who? By game dealers and food wholesalers. Okay. So a game dealer doesn't necessarily need to import venison because they've got plenty here, but a food wholesaler can cut the game dealer out by buying it direct. Yes from a foreign game dealer. No difference to, to our row that goes to ab abroad, the, our game dealers don't sell it direct to a restaurant, they sell it to a distributor. Okay. And it's no different than a, a British distributor buying from a foreign supplier. Yeah, if they can get it cheaper and... A, a lot cheaper. So on the, on the Paris meat market, I think they could buy processed New Zealand frozen haunches at six pound a kilo. <coughs> so when the, you're looking at, uh, uh, broadly speaking, the average price in the UK last year before Christmas would have been probably 2.30, some will be higher, some will be lower, yeah. but let's say 2.30. Depending on species as well, yeah. Ballpark, 2.30 kilo. They've then got to store it, skin it, butcher it, store it again, pack it, label it, and sell it. As we saw the other day, it's, quite, it's quite a process. It's quite a process. Let alone the, the fact that it's all vet checked as well, which they didn't realise that the cost to the vet is quite significant. Oh, yeah. The cost to the vet <coughs> is significant, the cost of waste disposal is significant. There are massive amounts of cost. And the, the fact that, what would you say, 37% wastage? Yeah. Something like that. So on a, on a body shop there, there'll be about a third will be wastage. That's, well, suddenly makes your price per kilo of usable meat, because when you do it at home, you cut right up to the yeah. joint, don't you? You and do, and they can't do that. They're they in the fact, it's yeah. a process of So just to quantify the 30%, that includes bone, skin, Everything. sinew. Yeah. That's not the shot. That You don't lose 30% no. of the meat. So, so bone, 30% skin. of the weight that you are paid for yeah. when you drop it at the door as a stalker. <clears throat> yeah, and then you've also got to remember <clears throat> a lot of stalkers will shoot a deer, not have the facilities to store it, and take it to the game dealer. So shoot it at three o'clock in the afternoon on a, on a winter Saturday, take it to the game dealer, weigh it in at the game dealers on the scales that are in the night fridge, put it in the night fridge. As that meat dries over the next 10 days, it loses about five to 8% body weight. So that's another factor. So you've told the game dealer it's 42 pounds. When he comes to actually process it, it's 38. So he's just paid you another two and a half quid for air or blood that's dried out. So. I'm not defending the game dealers, I'm just saying that's the process. Well, I think there happens. needs to be transparency on both sides yeah, because absolutely. obviously as a shooter who shoots deer for meat money or wants meat money, yeah. you want the most for your money but you, and you think all the game dealers are robbing evil nasty bastards, yeah. um, which they clearly aren't after, yeah. <clears throat> after having sort of seen that and learned a lot more about the facts than just what you chat about with your other stalker mates down yeah. the pub. Yeah, so, and also interesting in fact that one thing that gets thrown at the NGO quite a lot is, well, I used to get paid one pound a pound for my row in 1985 or 1989. I'm still only getting one pound a pound for my row. Actually, yes, but beef farmers are getting less for their beef. You're getting the same. Sheep farmers are getting less for their sheep. We're getting the same. Food consumption has changed. People don't eat the same way. They don't cook the same way as they used to. So it's ready They definitely meals. don't value meat in any way yeah. near what they it's, used to. No, it's processed food. Um, and I was chatting to a game dealer uh, on Friday, so a couple of days ago, and he was telling me that at the minute, so we're in COVID-19, we've got locked down, there's not a restaurant open in, on the continent, really. They're just starting again. <clears throat> at the minute, he can sell front end, so he can sell Dyson mints hand over fist because it's going to sausage manufacturers and burger makers for barbecue packs. He can sell loads of that. What he can't sell are the, are, the, are the saddles and the haunches. That's where he makes his money on the carcass. 
So he can sell the saddles and haunches, but he has to dice them or mince them, turning it from a 12, 15, 20 pound kilo joint. And he's probably filled up all of his containers with them for when times are good already. Yeah, they have, they have. Some, some games have been a bit more savvy and they stopped taking deer just after Christmas. So they'll be in a position to start taking again once the market frees up, if the market does free up. So some, some have done it, some have got big stockpiles. Uh, and we've also got to remember that the, you take a deer to a game dealer in Devon, that doesn't necessarily mean that Devon game dealer is going to process that deer. He may sell that carcass to a, a game dealer in Northampton. So there's a lot of interchanging of meats. And each time that meat, each time that carcass is handled by someone else, the cost is a profit up. factor involved at all points. They're in, they're in business. So imports are an issue. Cheap New Zealand imports. COVID-19 is a massive issue, as I've just said. You know, there, most of our road is exported to continental Europe. So that's knocked on the head straight away. There is no market for it yet. There will be. There will be. Once, once things free yeah, up and yeah. the, the German... The German. Um, Luckily, we couldn't kill deer for a large portion of lockdown, so it shouldn't be too yeah. much of a back pile. Exactly. I, I think we lost a week, didn't we? <clears throat> where, where professionals could have carried mm -hmm. on if they chose to. Ho amateur hobby stalkers should have stopped. Um, <clears throat> I think um, other other factors we've got include the time we're shooting deer when we shoot them in terms of the calendar, yeah. not time as in the time of day, in terms of calendar. So the, the bulk <coughs> of the market is, is leading from the beginning of December through. So they want the deer in October, November to process for the December sales. The bulk of the sales are then. We've gone, we've sort of slipped into this way where we tend to shoot the bulk in March, February or March now. Now, there is, there's very little market in April, May, June coming into the summer, other than the front end, the mince, dice, the sausages. So again, they're then having to store that haunch and saddle or, or loin until the following October, November, but then you're bringing the fresh deer that they don't want because they've got all last year's stored deer. So, so we've got a <coughs> plan with the game dealer is how I do it. So I, I'll speak to my game dealer now, usually in June, May, June, we don't do a lot of road, predominantly fallow and say, right, so what's the plan? What do you want and when and how much? And we plan it, and, it, and I need to shoot X amount, but he's only going to take Y. Yeah. So I've got, I've got this much, I need to move somewhere. And it's up. down to you to figure out where that goes accordingly. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And we're, we're lucky, we've got, we've got various outlets. So we've got three outlets. We've got the AGHE, Proof Gate Meat Handling Establishment outlet. We've got a, um, like a biltong producer who will take whole carcasses oh, from nice. us. So it's, we, we've had to change our registration with our council to be able to do that. It's dead easy, it was a phone call. Oh, sure. okay. So, so, but you can sell infer direct to him? So we can, we can sell uh, outer jacket as well. Oh, so wow. we've, changed, we've changed, I mean, you've been okay. to the larder, yeah. we've got the facility to do that. So we can sell both ways. We, t we do sell infer to him though, because he's changed his license to be able to skin. Yeah. Right. So, he, so he can hang it and get he can yeah, get what he wants. He can get what he yeah, wants yeah. from it, and it doesn't dry out in my fridge. And he gets what he wants. Is it personal or a, a built-on business? Yeah, it's a, a big business, in London. Are you yeah. allowed to shout him out? No. Okay. Because yeah. everyone will be phoning him up trying yeah. to sell him. <laughs> no, he's um, he's he, I think it, it's called African. And they make I was thinking for buying built-on as opposed to selling. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> they no, they only sell them. Um, they sell into. The packet built on you buy, so they, their built on will then be repackaged. Okay, so they're sold. just a manufacturer, as yeah, 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 to, yeah. yeah. They're, they're like a you know, Finder's Crispy pies yeah. aren't made by Finder's Crispy, they're made by another company, you know. So he, he's a big processor, he does beef, lamb, all sorts awesome. of things, yeah. Um, does pheasant as well, pheasant built on, yeah. He tried pigeon built on, which he called perky instead of jerky, which was quite good, didn't get a market. Um, pheasant built on, any good. Yeah, no, it's really nice. It really? was really nice. Yeah, it, it I feel like this is some kind of joke. No, no, it was, it was, it was, it was good. And you can buy this online if you search hard enough. No, he only made it for himself and, and did it. Oh, we sure. I was going to say there's oh, got to no, be no, no. so many things. In yeah, line no, 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 because of all that. No, no, he made it. He made it for himself and gave us some packets. And, and it's worth trying, you reckon? You can make it home with a dehydrator. Yeah. You go buy a buy a dehydrator. That's how he did it. It was just in the kitchen sort of stuff. It was fantastic. So we started making it at home. Pheasant jerky, yeah, great. Don't do goose. Not even the dogs would eat that. No, uh, I, I feel like all of our southern geese have so much access to rancid water, they're not worth eating. No. Um, so <coughs> having a conversation with the game dealer is 
really important. And, and you, 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 sh you need to, it, it's, it's vital. Um, restaurants and pubs being closed is going to be a problem. And the 4th of July, I think they're going to open again in England. But not at maximum capacity, unfortunately. No, and the because they're not at maximum capacity, the chef's got a big choice to make there. Does he put on butter chicken burger, pork, sticky pork ribs? Do I put on bestsellers or do I put on the stuff I want to make? Yeah. The answer is always bestsellers, yeah. isn't so, it? So when we go back to the restaurants in, in a two weeks' time, when it, no, later this week, um, when we go back to the restaurants, are you going to order ves venison loin with... I don't know, you know, celeriac puree, or are you going to order a burger? Or a Gert steak. Yeah, Gert steak. That's what you're yeah. going to do. That's what you're going to do. Or blue cheese sauce. <clears throat> yeah. So the market, will get, the market will be there. The gainers are sure the market's going to be there. But what we've also got to remember, compounding the problem, they've got all last year's stock still that they mm. weren't able to sell now. So they've got stock that they paid the 230, 240 a kilo for. That they're needing to shift they on before, shift they, on before they can restock. Yeah. So, so there's there's all sorts of factors, and, and there's not there's not one answer to any of it in terms of meat, in terms of venison supply. One thing I would say is you've got to talk to your game dealer. Whether you're shooting one deer a year that you take to the game dealer or 100, you you've got to have that conversation, see what they want and when. Um, I had a phone call earlier on from an NGO member saying. Um, it's a hobby stalker, he's been out roebuck stalking this morning and hasn't spoken to his game dealer, took two roebucks to the game dealer and he said, well, I don't want them, I'm closed. Well, you've got to take them. And so he was asking me to speak to the game dealer to tell him, to tell the game dealer he had to take the deer. I can totally see his point because that's how we've always worked. But I think what we've got to remember as, as deer stalkers is we're the supplier and the game dealer's the customer. And... If, they, if the customer doesn't want yeah. to buy they're it... They're under no obligation to buy it, Absolutely. So have yeah. the conversation, especially now. Have the conversation. And you can hate them for it, but it doesn't change the fact, unfortunately. No, it doesn't. And we've got to be more pragmatic. So we've, we've, got, to get, we've got to get more pragmatic about this. Deer do need culling. We do need to shoot mm. deer. That, that's, that's... Would it be fair to say that there's an... On a standard year, is there an oversupply of deer? No. Or does it cut about fine? <clears throat> no, it's about right. So... The FSA estimated last year in England and Wales, 67,000 carcasses went through AGHE, approved game meat handling establishments. Which account for what percentage in your... We really don't know. The NGO have just launched a survey this week, which you can find on our Facebook page. There's a link to it. If you can fill it out, it'd be great. Um, I'm going to take a stab in England and Wales and say 100,000. And I reckon a bit more in Scotland. That's a fair number. Yeah, so that means about 40,000, 30,000 aren't going through AGHEs. Which is probably about right. A lot yeah. of people personally consume, friends consume. They do, personally consume, give it away. Um, game dealers, not all game dealers are AGHEs. Yeah. So that makes it a bit more confusing. I'd say 100,000 might be even conservative. Could be, could be. So we're going to be somewhere in the ballpark, yeah. and the FSA figures will be about right. So on a normal year, every year, when you drop your deer in, when you drop your fallow doe or your red hind into your game dealer, did they ever say on a normal year, I don't want it? No. No. They the price might fluctuate it. a little bit, time of year. Time of year. <coughs> you never take it away because the price was wrong. No, quality of the carcass. Yeah. So I think we're in weird times now. I think we're in a, a sort of volcano of imports and COVID and closed pubs and this melting pot eventually will go hard yeah. and we'll be back to some kind of normality with the market. But the market's going to take a time to level off because they've got the stock, the stock needs to wear down and then we can go. So, so we're not expecting venison prices to go up anytime soon? No, I think, well, the, yeah, sorry. I think the projected price for the start of fallow season will be between 40 and 60p a kilo. Well, yeah. luckily... All right, so let's look at this on a different angle. Right? What, what else can you do? Like, there's got to be other options out there than just take it to a game dealer, take your money and leave. There's got to be other options for you to sell your deer other than a game dealer or to monetize the deer, the venison. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think you've got... Okay, the carcass. There, there, well, there are. There are options. So I think the first thing you've got to think about, do you need to pull the trigger? Right? D do you need to kill it? Now, I know... Certain agencies would say yes, 
we need to kill deer, we need to kill more deer. It's, it's local, is it? It's local geography. I was going to say, it very much so. So certain areas don't have the volume of deer. So do I need to kill it or do I want to kill it? And if, if I need to kill it, that's a different thing. Do I want to kill it? So if mm. I want to kill it, do I have an outlet for it? I'm going to eat it, consume it myself, give it away to family and friends. Fine. <clears throat> so legally, you can shoot something as long as it's safe to eat. So you're legally obliged to provide safe food. You can give it away to close friends and family. How close? Uh, or is it just stated close? It, it says close friends yeah. and family. So, so acquaintances, no, but people you make, you you you've met a couple of times. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. So you can give it away. The second you do anything other than give it away, you become in, in what's termed as a food business, whether you're a business or not. Okay. And you will need to. You have to register with your local authority. It's free. It's completely free. It's done online and there's no inspection. They just want to know you're a food business. Now, I keep saying to the FSA, the terminology food business, <clears throat> I'm Johnny Carter, I'm not food business, I'm, I'm a hunter. Yeah. My business is TGS and running a gun shop. Yeah. That's my business. It's just terminology. It means if you're doing anything other than giving it away to close friends and family. Even if you give it away to people who are not close friends and family, you are still a food business. Okay. Right. <clears throat> so the second you take it to a game dealer, you're a food business. So registering's easy. So you've got several options. You you can self-process, which means you've got to have a larder, an inspection, game meat hygiene, level two food hygiene, and various other. When you register, do you get to pick a business name, or you just register register under your name? Just your just your name and your home address. Okay. And your vehicle registration number. Yeah. That's it. That's all they require. Oh, good. You call yourself. Oh, yeah, I'm oh dear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you could do that. Yeah. You could do that. Um, you don't need to. <laughs> so you really okay, don't need yeah. to call it that. Um, so no, it's, it's as an individual stalker, it's you. Yeah. If it was an estate, it would be Savanac Estate. You need your small game eat hygiene to sell it or not? No, not, no. This is the really well, weird thing. Game eat hygiene you, need your, you need your game eat hygiene certificate to sell it to a game dealer or a butcher or something like that. You don't need to sell it to the local pub because you've got something called the hunter's exemption, which exempts you from that part of the law. So this is getting even more complicated. The NGO's advice would be everyone take the game meat hygiene qualification. Yeah. Everyone take it. You know what you're looking at. It's a really good qualification. Um, so if you've got your level one, you, you get it with the level one. So most people have got DSC one will have some sort of meat hygiene qualification for large game. You couldn't sell a rabbit with that or a mm -hmm. pigeon or pheasant. Um, so you can legally sell into pubs and restaurants in the fur you can't process it in any way okay so from the field then it's down to the pub or restaurant to have the right facilities so, so they then need to be licensed as a processor or they're breaking the law yeah uh, so, whose responsibility is it to check that is it that is that down to the hunter no okay cool that's no, that that's that, that that's, makes it easy that's it? down to the local authority but but you have a legal responsibility to provide safe food so if the food you've provided is made unsafe knowingly that's a, that's an offence. So if you know they don't have the processing facilities, you supply them that food. That's an offence. You are part of the problem. You're part of yeah. the problem. So the best way, in my opinion, the easiest way to get round and least complicated way, is to have an AGHE, an approved game meat handling establishment, process your game for you. Now, not all of them do it. Not all of them want to do it. And you need your <coughs> game meat hygiene to get this done in the no. first place. Oh, so okay. No, you don't. Because you're not selling it to them. You're not selling it to them. You're taking them your product, as long as the food's safe. You're taking them your carcass in the fur, as you normally would in your tray. Mm -hmm. You give it to the game dealer and you tell him, I want the right hand haunch as a haunch with the bone in, left hand haunch cut into steaks, two loin joints, four loin steaks, the right shoulder minced, the left shoulder diced and the neck minced. Give him the cutting list and he'll charge you a fee to based cut on it. That. Based on that he will then put it through his processing plant where it's then stamped by a vet that makes it safe and legal for you to take it back in the packaging that are labeled by the game dealer you can now legally sell that to anybody and you need to be a registered food business for this or you yes just... you do to sell it on you need to be okay. registered with the local authority the, the, the same way business. you did before just an online form okay. and you need to store the food correctly when you pick it's it a fridge. up a fridge so the easiest way is you pick it up in a cool box and you deliver it immediately because it'll come out of their chiller. And then you can charge trade rates to a retailer to sell it. Yeah. 
a, a retailer find with consumer pub or restaurant. So, so why don't people, more people do that? Because there is a there is an element of work involved in it. It is significantly more effort. It is significantly more effort, but you can realise significantly more return. Yeah. And and the other thing I like about it is you're getting venison into a local outlet, so you're getting local people to eat game. Yeah. So that that bit I really like. And then when you're stalking and the people are off the footpath with their dog running around, they bump into you with a rifle and you have the discussion about shooting deer and colour. Here you go. Here you go. Yeah, but they're also associating yeah. the branded venison yeah. in the, the local card. shop. You can go and buy it over there. It's really it, delicious. Exactly. Yeah. So there are some good pluses for it. That, <clears throat> it's a really neat solution. It's a really neat solution. Like I said, not all gamers want to do it. Mine charges a very modest fee for, for any carcass. It's a fixed fee. And that's to a certain cutting list. To, 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 a, to a set cutting list, yeah. yeah. But, but the cutting list still includes minute steaks, haunches, mince, yeah. dice. So you um, get your deer in a box back for what, 50 quid? A lot less than that. <laughs> so we're talking about 35 quid. For a fallow? For any deer. So it makes munchak very expensive, fallow really well worth doing. Well, I was going to say, but I, there's not a great market for munchak anyway. And to be fair, and I don't know. They're, they're, I suppose there is people out there who are killing enough of them to warrant or to need some. Yeah, in East Anglia they will be. So yeah. in East Anglia, those guys are going to be, the biggest states in East Anglia, they're going to kill it a couple of hundred a year. Yeah, that sounds significant, really. Yeah. Actually, to be then paying you 35 quid to have them cut up to be, to be done. Yes. Um, so, I mean, but the nice thing about a munchak is most munchak will eat two a week, though. Yeah, I was going to say, they're very easy to consume. Easy to consume. Perfect roasting haunch. Haunch, you throw it straight in, feeds three, four, yeah, quite happily. And so munchak, munchak are an issue in volume, but I think most of us creatively can yeah. consume it. You could easy. quite happily get rid of munchak to friends and family very oh, easily. E easily, neighbours. And it is delicious as well. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's one of the best meats. It's just skinning the little You can, can you give it away to close friends and family in the fur as well? You yeah. can give it however you, however you want. Oh, yeah, however you want. So you can give it away in the fur. You yeah. have to worry skinning it. Of course, yeah. Exactly. Well, they won't thank you for that. But And also, in terms of just going back to giving it away with friends and family and yeah. processing at home, in terms of the waste, mm -hmm. because it's for your consumption, you it's, don't exactly have to worry the, about getting rid of it. it's exactly the same as your household waste. It goes in the bin. So fur, don't even bones, waste fur, bones, bread, Everything so goes in the black yeah. bin. The slight change is when you register as a food business, the stuff you're producing for the food business can't go in the bin. If you get the license to skin it yourself. Yeah, if you okay. get a processing license. So you're then looking at... Which is free as well. Yeah, yeah, all the licenses are free. They just want to know who's doing it. There's no cost okay. to any of this. And, and it's and down to you to have the correct facilities yes. in place. Yeah, so what you do to get the correct facilities in place, you get the council to come and look and tell you what you need. And they're really helpful. Which is free. Yeah, totally free. I might start doing this purely just to get something back on my council tax. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah. it's a completely free service. So they'll come and look at say, look... That's the garden shed I want to turn in. Here's a drawing of what I want to do. Yeah. And the, yeah, that. So tell me again. You're just skinning it. You're not yeah. cutting it into primary cuts. I just want to take the skin off. So you've got two fridges. One for it with the fur. One for it without the fur. And they can be two Coca-Cola fridges, as long as they they're sealed properly and they get to temperature and all that yeah. sort of stuff. <clears throat> you then got water drainage, hand washing sink, equipment sink. So a couple of stainless steel sink. Yeah. You would be amazed at how little you need to be able to process into the primary, so the skin off. Yes. It's then then to process into primary cuts, so to then joint it, you need a surface to work on. Uh, and at what point do you need to get it vet checked? Or is this you don't. for so, personal consumption or friend consumption? No, or? no. So it's only, this is a real anomaly, it's only an approved game meat handling establishment that legally has to have a vet check it. A farm shop wouldn't because it's, it's your own meat. So what you couldn't That's do, so I couldn't bring you a deer and you process it. That would be illegal. I'd have to go out on my farm that I own in my dreams, shoot the deer, yeah. take it to my farm shop that I own in my dreams yeah. and process it yeah, myself. Or, or, or as the leaseholder, you're the legal owner. Okay. So, so you go onto your 100 acres that you stalk on, shoot a deer, take it back to your premises. Okay. You're, you're within the law as long as you've got the right Cosh analysis and all the paperwork you need with it. There is some, there is some work. There is some paperwork that to go with it. I presume, like with all cosh uh, stuff and all risk assessments, there's plenty online you can probably go and source. If you there need. are, and actually, your local council will give them to you too, and say, "Here's a farm shop that did it. Use that one." So there, there is enough barriers in place for it to be slightly annoying. Yeah. I tell you what, you should do an NGO blog or 
on how to do it. Oh, we've, fantastic. We, to, be, to be honest, Johnny, we've written about it so much over the last two years to tell people what to do, and it gets ignored, which is, which is astounding. I, I think what this fantastic. will focus the mind, the, mm. this situation will focus Yeah, well, because if you have to go and kill 100 family and your game dealer wants 20, yeah. Um, you, yeah. you can't burn it. <clears throat> yeah, so the, we use... Uh, so I, just to give you... Quantify. I yeah. work full time for the National Gamekeepers Organisation, but I also have the sporting lease on a large estate in Wiltshire, which is has an annual cull of between 300 and 500 animals of various sizes. Yes. So, you know, we've got a lot of kilos of meat to move. So we do a box back scheme with our game dealer, which is Hampshire Game in, in Andover, and I give them the cutting list. Now, they fly off the shelves locally people that have orders for deer and they they and people ordering a whole box or just a, a bit no we only sell a whole box just to make your life y easy. you have to buy a whole carcass yes so so yeah. you're getting carcass weight that you would have got from the game dealer plus your cutting fee plus the extra uh, for the hassle yes so we and people buy that like that no yeah, worries it's 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 not an issue it took a while to build but basically, you know, yeah. Mavis in the village bought it and she told Daisy and Daisy oh, told you would Fred love it, you Fred. want it. It's just from the forest here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, well, that's it. So, yeah. so, so that's quite nice. And um, so we, we sell, we do exactly what you said. We take our cutting fee, uh, the, the, the kilo rate we would have wanted for the carcass averaged over the year. Well, what you want, 100 quid a kilo, that's very well, expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Realistically, yeah. what we can get averaged over the year. So we, we average 75 to 80 kilos per animal over everything yeah. we're shooting. So, so some people it. will win with their carcasses, some will lose. Some will win, some will lose. And it's people. a fixed fee for the box. Okay. So we don't charge per kilo. It's a fixed fee for the box. I think it's 70 quid for a row, 110 for a fat. And you could advertise this on Facebook, Instagram, yep. locally, however yep. you want. Yep. And because, because it's AGHG'd, you're good to go. Because it's all vet stamped, it's properly labelled. What's the turnaround for you when you drop them off a couple of days? No, it's about a week. Okay. So at the minute, it'll be quicker in the winter, but at the minute they're not cutting as many deer as they normally would. So it's about a week. So at the minute, I think they're only skinning on a Tuesday. It'd be lovely if there was a part X scheme, so you could walk in, drop the fresh one off and take a frozen box out. So that's perfectly legal and you can do that. You just have to have the discussion. Yeah. So because you're taking it from an AGHE, it yeah. doesn't matter which meat you get back, legally right. speaking. It depends how you're marketing it. Yeah. So we're marketing it as coming from Oh, you'd want it to be your own, but if it yeah. was for a bob down the road who didn't care, care you yeah. could quite happily work so, out. So and you'd be well within This has to be with an AGHE or just any old game dealer? No, it has to be an AGHE approved game Of which game there are handling. enough about. There, are, there, are, there aren't as many as you think. But so you'd have to make it worth it. My, my only thoughts are, for example, for me to drive to an AGHE is an hour. Yeah. It's not inconvenient. I don't mind driving. A lot of people really do. Yeah. Um, so just thought, just thoughts in terms of if you could make a deal to go there, drop it off, take a carcass away, suddenly the hassle is the same as just driving there and selling it, but you can walk away with so, your meat. Yeah. So I think the problematic ones with this system or any system where you're starting to get a bit more involved in the actual processing as of just dropping it into a game dealer is, is the middle guys, the 25 to 45, 50 carcasses a year because it's not enough to have continuity supply for a box system. Yeah. It's too many to give away and consume, and it's not enough to go through the hassle of processing. Yeah. So it's a bit of a weird one. One to five to 10. That was easy. Um, we can eat that. Yeah, you do. Oh. One a month, isn't it? Yeah, I, you know, I consume all day that myself. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah. I do. You know, actually I was thinking last week, I don't think we had any meal that wasn't venison at home in one form or another, a meatloaf, a lasagna, a sausage, a, you know, so, <coughs> That's easy. That's not an issue. The the middle guys, this this that middle figure, they could eat. They could eat a dozen. They could give a dozen away, but they're still left with twenty five. That, that, that's the issue, deer, and, yeah. and that, that's the process. I've got to process a dozen myself. I've got to give a dozen away. I've got well, what do I do with these? They're the ones that really need to have that conversation with the game dealer. Let's move off of uh, deer meat because I think you've you've summed up there quite nicely that actually people could, with a touch more effort service their local market which would appease local people into deer management significantly more because everyone likes eating venison and if it's local venison they go it's from that woods over there they might understand more when they see you with a rifle in your camo um, and we've talked about the process how to do it, which is great yeah. i think that actually if more game dealers got on board because as we discussed off camera perhaps not all game dealers are behind that sort of self-servicing a local market whilst them taking their cut indirectly yeah i think that'd be great i personally think that'd be great um let's talk about deer managers what is a deer manager 
when I was growing up, there weren't any. They were called deer stalkers. So, but, so what is a deer manager? Someone who wanders around with a clipboard telling deer where to go. And I, I don't know. Deer manager is somebody who manages the population or the herd of a deer on a set area. Okay. And I think that would be the easiest way to define it. Okay. Uh, at what point does one become a deer manager? And not just a hobby stalker? Or should we stop using the word stalker? Yeah, well, as I yeah. said earlier, it's a bit creepy, bit like creepy. you said, yeah. Um, when do you become a deer manager? Right, so my opinion on this is there's often bands chucked about. Oh, he only shoots 10 deer a year. He only shoots one deer a year. He only shoots 12 a year. He shoots 1,500. I think it's irrelevant. I think you become a deer manager when you have a plan. I feel like there is some relevance to the number, but not in this conversation. You know, there is, a, there is a, definitely, there is definitely relevance to the number. But when do you become a deer manager is when you have a plan on how to manage the deer herd on the parcel of land you are stalking on. All right, uh, okay, so I, I would like to break that apart a little bit. Is There has to be caveats on that, surely. Like, you can't just go, well, I've got 100 acres, there's five row in there, I think, and I'm going to kill three of them. Surely there has to be some science yeah, behind that plan, so. or else yeah, then so. you could just go, well, I've got 1,000 I've got acres and I'm going to kill 40 this year. Why? Yeah, no, because you're right. That's that's not that's not managing. That's yes. so so. What that's doing. So, when you put the rifle on the shoulder in the morning and walk out the front door, you've got to know why you're doing it, what you're doing it for, and what you're after. And be honest with yourself a lot of the time yeah, too. Yeah, of course, yeah. And yeah. Th so that's the plan. But but to get to that, to get to the stage where you've got to know what, why, and when, you've got to know what's there. You've got to know the makeup of the herd. You've got to know the damage they're doing. You've got to know what agri-environment schemes and woodland grant schemes the estate are in or the farm's in. There's a massive amount you've got to know. And the key, the one key that people, deer stalkers, deer managers, sorry, often forget to do is speak to the landowner and say, what do you want from your deer? And that's yeah. the starting point. So, so once you've got all that information, you can build a picture and build a plan. Without the information, you're just going stalking. Very interesting you say that, actually, that there is a, there's a very d definite guide three three definite things people who speak to the people have have a lease whether they pay for it or not and a plan with the owner those who go can i go stalking the owner goes yeah, right, yeah. yeah. and that's where that conversation ends and those where they only meet the owner by the owner saying i want all of the deer dead and I think that's, that's those, those three things. The people who, oh, I've got to kill all the deer here. And that, I don't begrudge anybody that because I, everyone's been asked by somebody, well, all stalkers at some point have been asked to clear all the deer out of somebody's orchard or clear all the deer because that's agriculture. Yeah. And that's pest control in that sort of, that, that dodgy, maybe. Uh, that is pest control in, in a certain regard, aren't they? They are a agricultural pest to that person. They need to be removed in large numbers. Yeah. And I, Sorry, I don't know where I started this, but yes, there you go. <laughs> well, no, I see what you're saying. So, so, but by having the conversation, so the landowner's saying, I've got a fenced enclosure with 20 deer in it. Yeah. We've put a fence up in a new plantation. They all need to go. Well, you have to plan that. So the plan is to shoot the deer from the enclosure. <laughs> you, you've got a plan. I know it sounds daft, but yeah. you've got a plan. You've got a reason. Does that have to be written in your head to become no, a deer so, manager? Or? Right, so in my head, yes. And the only reason for that is... In, no, it doesn't have to be written. A bit like a business plan, you need to know what you're yeah, deviating exactly. from from an original idea. Uh, and so, at least on a large estate, you'll probably have a, an owner and an agent, right? At any point, you can show them a written plan. Yeah. And it looks quite professional. Mm -hmm. So how many of us have lost stalking because somebody else has come to the owner and said, that bloke's not managing the deer right, here's a plan. And then the owner phones up and says, can I see your management plan? Oh, yeah, it's all in my head. Well, do you know what? I think I'm going to go with the other guy for a year and just see how it goes. And we've all lost stalking that way. Yeah. If you're the one with the plan, when the owner says, a bloke came to me with a management plan, so, oh, do you want to see mine? Adding that air of professionalism to yeah. a yeah. hobbyist sport. Absolutely. Potentially. It, it's moved on. It's moved on quite a lot. There's, there's more people doing it. There's less land available. Yeah. yeah it's, you know, I can remember, so my, my uncle was... Uh, a relatively well-known deer stalker, a guy mm -hmm. called Dieter Dent. And back in the late 70s, he and a guy called Richard Pryor wrote the Woodland Stalkers Qualification, yeah. right? And they wrote that he was he was a German origin, and he was like, so you can shoot these things with shotguns? Why? Why would you want to do that? Let's get a qualification together. And the guys who were avid deer stalkers, this thing called the British Deer Society, set the qualification up, okay. and they took it voluntarily. 
and they all taught each other and they had it was a, I think it was a five-day course at the time and they had deer tracking with dogs relatively new thing isn't it we've all been talking about in the last three or four years they were doing it back in the 70s when, why did that fall by the wayside potentially because that seems like that should have been more of an ongoing thing yeah. it was seen as a very european thing we don't hunt. And hence it was ejected from our culture yeah so we we don't hunt deer in the same way as they do we don't driven hunt so by definition we will wound less yes so guys trained up their dogs they had the dog for five years and never used it but do you know what i'm actually going to use it on birds and and we've also got the culture of bird hunt of driven shooting bird hunting yeah. here which they don't have so to to train your dog to do a specific task that you're probably going to use it once twice yep it is 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 a, is a massive labor of love if it's for personal use at if least. it's for personal Whereas nowadays use. i think there's a a large call for it about yeah there is but yeah. equally i'm talking about the 1970s when there were probably a yeah. few thousand people stalking yeah. a few hundred people stalking oh, I, remember I did a I, I did a film a long time ago with Howard and he was saying well, the first time that somebody found out that he shot deer he had 20 farmers ringing him begging him to yeah. go and shoot deer yeah. because that's how it was in the 80s so that's how I picked up most of my stalking a eh? because everyone knew who my uncle was as he got a bit older he was like do you, do you want that bit do you want that bit no one else wanted it and I've retained it by making sure I do the job the landowner wants. Yeah. And in some cases, the landowner wants two deer shot, one in the summer for their barbecue and one just before Christmas for the Christmas. And you have to respect that. That's it. So that's managing that deer because that's what they want done with it. Yeah. Other places, they're sort of like you said, oh, just go and shoot them. Do you all know what I'm shooting? No, not really. Yeah. And they've got Let me know when you're out. Not, not that, even, yeah. not even. Just, just crack on, you know. So that... In those areas, I would put my own management plan in. Oh, there's a nice road button. Okay, well, he lives there. Let's, let's, I've got a yeah, friend who him. might want to shoot one of those in three or four years' time. Yeah. So we'll factor that in. I'm not going to kill him. Let's let him grow. Exactly. Yeah. So that's managing. But that bit, I wouldn't necessarily have. Do you a keep a diary plan. or anything like that? Oh, I'm really anal. I, I could go back to when I shot my first deer in 19. 19- oh, you're not kidding? No. No. So. I thought that was a joke. No. I shot my first deer in 1989, and every single deer I've shot since, every shoot day I've been on since, I've got a diary entry for. Every fish I've caught. I keep a meticulous game book, but I've only kept it for a couple of years, and I regret not keeping it earlier. 1989. So my dad stopped shooting in 1989. He gave up. And so I took his game book on, which goes back to 1962. It's a... Big old oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a big. It's a, but I'm on my third game book now, yeah, yeah. so that's put aside. And my my little boy's eight. He shot his first shoot days last year. He's written in my game book as well. So, yeah. um, oh, you weren't magnanimous enough to give up and hand over the. No, so I'm, st- <laughs> I'm still going. I'm, I'm, my game's up there. Um, so, oh no, I'm 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 really bad for it. It's embarrassing. I I, I so I record for deer. I record date, uh, where, weather, sex, weight species so it's its own line as opposed to a page yeah the novel pheasant, of how a you pheasant shoot would be a yeah a pheasant shoot is always a, a novel yeah, yeah. Um, drive by drive yeah but but shooting the deer is just what it is so i could go back to every piece of woodland every deer i've shot whether i'm a guest or someone else been invited i could find the volume and go through it and oh god that's sad but no but, no but it's not it, i think that's fantastic by the way I but really what do. it helps me do so i don't keep computer records i do for some of the forestry commission leases i have because i have to and I do for some of the other sporting rights where I have to. But what, what I'll do is when I'm thinking about, so here on this estate, I shoot some deer on this estate. So what I might do is when I'm looking at what we talk to the keeper, see what they want to do, what the owner wants. And I might go back over, start six years ago, because I've been coming here for about yep. 20. So I might go back six years ago and see what we shot over the last six years, mm-hmm. when and who shot it. Because I very rarely pull the trigger here. It's normally with a friend or a auction mainly we give charity stuff away a lot so i can go back through that record and say right okay so that that was then that was there i shot a corkscrew head up here um in, yeah you know so so that's I mean, then managing yeah. which i quite like I, my, my records are, are less good but well less less long yeah uh, but i can i go back and i go well i've shot this head oh three years ago i shot a head identical in the same field yeah, exactly so yeah. so you can you can start to build up a picture that's deer management Right. So whether it's one or 1,000, that's deer management, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think deer stalking is getting the rifle, 
wandering around the woods or the fields and shooting a deer. Do you think that people are starting to sort of get bullied out of that and feel the need to become managers? Do you, or do you think that stalking is wrong? No, I don't. I, I, don't, I don't know no, how that feels. I, I don't think either is wrong. And I don't think not writing a plan down is wrong either. I think it depends on how you want to do it and what yeah. you're looking at doing. So going out to do one of the most exciting individual sports in the world is not wrong. Nothing no. wrong with that. Without um, having a huge backlog of planning behind it. Yeah, but some people aren't as aimless as me and some people aren't. Couldn't the plan not just be, I'm going to go and get venison? I don't think that's a plan. I think that's stalking. I think the plan that, is... that, fool, that, that fool's inside of stalking. I think I'm it does. I'm happy that yeah, fool's inside I, I of stalking. I think it does. I think, you know, we need a bit of meat for the table. That's not a plan. That's an action. <laughs> you know, to, to plan it is we need a bit of meat for the table. Every month. Yeah, but I'm, I've got a bit of meat for the table. I've got a restock that's being nibbled by roe deer and they're coming in the evening, that's you're starting to plan. So there needs to be a reason. To be a manager, you need to understand the why of what you're doing, not the doing of what you're doing. Yeah, you okay. need to understand. Okay. I can see that as a bracket. The, why. And the, the one bit with deer management that drives me absolutely potty is, is people not understanding simple population dynamics, which sounds like a long phrase, but to break down, I teach on the NGO DSC1 courses with mm -hmm. Alan Barrell, who's done some videos with you. And Alan's a fantastic deer guy and goes into a lot more depth than I do because I just get cross. I've got the ginger gene. But the. Um, Are you cross that you've got the ginger gene or I, you get cross because you've got the ginger gene? Because I've got the ginger gene and that I'm ginger and left handed, so I've got no hope. Um, so, population dynamics sounds really complicated. It's not. If you want to reduce the population of deer, you need to shoot the ladies. Yes. If you want to maintain the population, you need to shoot, shoot a third, because that's what they'll multiply by roughly each mm -hmm. year. It's not actually that difficult. So you've got to know what you want to achieve. And what you might want to achieve is massive robucks. Dead easy. Shoot some young ones, shoot some old ones, and leave the middle-aged ones. Nothing is hard, but with the event of some um, online forums, some of the Facebook pages, um, uh, they've made something relatively simple that when you start to describe it and talk to somebody, talk them through how to do a plan. You can complicate anything. You can complicate it's crazy. Deer management is not complicated. Deer stalking is not complicated. As long as you've got a basic understanding of how it works with the environment you're in. So if you were to ask me to write a, a Highland management plan, I wouldn't have a clue. I, I, it's not something I'm comfortable with. This is the environment I've always lived in and stalked in. So a woodland management plan is something I can do because I can go and do an impact survey in the autumn and, and the early spring and I can work out what the damage the deer are doing. Um, and I read something on one of the uh, Facebook groups the other day. Someone had done an impact survey to work out how many deer they've got. Well, no, all you can do is work out the impact the deer you've got well, doing. As long as you cross-reference that with the hunger survey, you're right. Absolutely, so you yeah. survey 100 deer and see how hungry they are, yeah. how much they've eaten today. Yeah, so you can work out how many deer there are, but you can't do it in an impact survey. That only, that only tells you the yeah. impact the deer are doing in the environment yeah. you've done the survey. You can count the crosses, the, the, yeah. the droppings, and you can. Here's a really novel idea. Count the deer That's instead of actually idea. shooting them. So on one of the syndicates... Well, go out without a rifle. I was going to say, Mug. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I was, do you know what? On Saturday, two of my friends were on my ground, asked if they could come and shoot roebuck. Mm -hmm. So they went off to shoot roebuck. Do you know what I was doing? Mending high seats so other people could go and sit in them. Now that's deer management. <laughs> that's the reality of deer management. And if you talk to some of these professional stalkers, Pete Jagger in Cumbria, Chris Rogers in East Anglia, yeah. how often do they pick up a rifle? Very rarely. Very rarely. So, and then there also comes a point that you probably take for granted that you could whenever you want, and I think that maybe removes some of the luxury of I think of, of not as well. Yeah, I mean, I still get a real buzz from it. I love it, but yeah. I, I very rarely ever shoot the seven ash. Hardly ever. But I'll go elsewhere and stuff. But to be fair, and I say well, when we went out, it was almost it was equally exciting when we didn't shoot them oh, as yeah. to when we shot them. Yeah, it in was. fact, it would almost be more exciting because that unknown left such more of a like. I would have loved to see that that we saw in the woods. It's yeah. one of those things, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is. It is. So I think anyone can be a deer manager. I, I think, I don't think we should lose sight of the term deer stalker either. Mm -hmm. I think we should remember the route. And I think deer managers come along because it's m more politically correct, which is fine. And we've got to move on. 
But so, uh, you know. But not to forget that it is an enjoyable sport in the first place. Yeah, instance. and it's, it's the same, this is completely aside, it's the same with people saying maybe we shouldn't call gamekeepers gamekeepers anymore, call them wildlife managers. Well, they, they're gamekeepers. So call them gamekeepers. That's what they do, it's what they are. Don't forget what we're doing, but we've got to move with the time. So I'm quite happy with the term deer manager, as long as it's accurately correct that that's what the person is doing. Um, you know, and moving on is great. We all used to have short trousers and polio, but we've moved on from that. So we could, you know, a change in the name isn't that difficult. So I think, I think we can do that. And I think we've got to, we've got to really think about um, the way we manage the deer. And if your impact survey that I would encourage everyone to do, mm-hmm. on we'll do a video on that. Uh, yeah, yeah, in the okay, autumn, yeah, yeah. in the autumn we can do a video on that. So uh, that actually would be a really good one, basic impact survey, because actually the deer on your ground may not be having an impact. So do you need to kill them? Well, I suppose the answer is is yes, surely, because they're going to become more and then will cause an impact. Well, that's what I would guess, but I would you each piece of ground's individual, so yeah. Um, and some people don't care either. Some people don't care, but if you've got a big dense conifer woodland, you ain't doing any good killing a deer. It's going to do no damage in a 30-year-old woodland. Uh, might cure us from hunger. Yeah. So, so that's. It. But I think we've got to factor that in, and we've got to factor that sometimes the best option is not pulling the trigger. And with the that's heartbreaking. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> it's quite heartbreaking. I, I, I know yeah. that. I know that. But a lot of guys. Yeah. What what is quite. Well, you again, as I said before, you have to get to a point of having pulled the trigger enough yeah. to understand that not pulling the trigger can be good yeah, too. There, there is. I mean, before I worked for the NGO, I worked in the New Forest as a full-time deer stalker work with the NGO deer branch I still lease one or two acres that I do I still have a contract in a deer park uh, you, you know so so for me to sit here and say you don't have to pull the trigger when I'm pulling it a two, lot 210 anyway, yeah. times a year in anger is quite easy when you might get the opportunity to go out twice yes so for those guys who uh, will go out twice and see a deer on one of those occasions asking them not to is a very different thing it, 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 it is it is and also you know at the age of six i was out on my dad's shoulders going stalking and so it's it's fairly natural to me well i think stalking is certainly is a large attraction to latecomers to the sport yeah which is good it's not which is great thing. and i don't i said i don't mean nothing bad by that but there is certainly you sell guns for a living <laughs> yeah you need yeah but no seriously I, what, what happens if we go back to the 70s there's a few hundred deer stalkers with relatively good practice we, we're not going to go back to that. There's too many deer there's in certain areas, which is amazing because the amount of people there are stalking now. But there are too many yeah. deer in certain areas, and and I think. Can you see a deer shortage at any point during the future? Well, we managed to eradicate wild boar with sticks and dogs. So I'm sure as hell if we wanted to do it with deer, we could, couldn't we? But that's not managing them. Yeah. Um, and wild boar is a whole another topic, and you know, so they've got a foothold in. In, in, in a couple of spots and, and they're, they're there to stay unless we don't want them to and, and I there's do some think irony that, there isn't there it's well there is funny, yeah. you know because I, and I keep most people want them actually I, I, I think they do and as a hunter would I want wild boar oh god right as a, as a it would keep the public away from your yeah, forest it would do wouldn't it as a hunter would I want wild boar unequivocally yes yeah as a conservationist, would I want wild boar? Probably not. Uh, yeah, I think I would actually in right numbers. It, it, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, it's I think really it would change fine, our environment from what a, it is, it's and a I think really fine line, isn't it's, it? it's a very difficult thing to say that you'd not want them. Yeah. Um, Talking to gamekeeper friends of mine in Austria, where I go a lot, they really don't want them. They can live with the hen harriers. They can live with the goshawks. The wild boar are a big problem for them. So, as a, I think, it depends from what perspective, right? But a few wild boar and anything in moderation is great. Muntjac in moderation are great, but it, yeah. we, it doesn't seem to work. No, no, unfortunately it, Everything not. seems to explode. Um, I, I mean, as a hunter, I want every species of every deer everywhere I stalk mm. in massive numbers. And all of the medals. All of the medals, yeah. So, um, but as a, as a pragmatist and a deer manager, that's not going to work. Yeah. That's not going to happen. So I think... I think anyone can call themselves a deer manager as long as they actually are. And they are actually managing the deer. And don't be scared to call yourself a deer stalker. Neither's right nor wrong. If the answer is... I fall very much into the stalker bracket, by the way. Yeah, which know. is great. Yeah. But Johnny, why do you go stalking? For pleasure, for me. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. Right answer. Yeah. Um, That's it. Uh, professional ghillie in Scotland, why do you go stalking? It's my job because and I get paid, paid to do yeah. it. Pays mortgage. Right answer. Yeah. So, you know... Um, 
is deer stalking probably one of the most exciting field sports in my opinion yes yeah i think it, that I, you can do it by yourself yeah yeah i think actually it would be the one i'd give up last i think there'd be a real fine line between fly fishing and deer stalking I, it would I, be the deer stalking would be the one i'd give up last yeah surprisingly um, um because I can go beating on a pheasant shoot and I can go loading. Exactly the same thing, yeah. And I can go flanking on a ground. I was going to say, not banned last. No, 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 no. Just give up last. No, I mean, because I can get actual, my kicks. The actual trigger yeah. pulling. I can get my kicks yeah. in, in a driven shooting environment yeah. by not necessarily standing on the peg. Yes. So yeah. watching deer with a camera is great, but it is it doesn't have the same thing. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it runs off. It makes great footage as it slowly bounds into the distance. Um, but to get into a position and shoot a deer is it's good. Yeah. It's fun. Right. It's fun. It's exciting. It is. It is fun. And um, the result is delicious. Yes. Or profitable, as the case may be. Or environmentally sound, yeah, as the case may be. Environmentally beneficial. All of those. Yeah. All of those things. Um, I've never taken anyone out stalking yet. Who hasn't been awed by it? Yeah. One way or another, I've, I've taken people out who couldn't pull the trigger, um, which is the right decision because they didn't want to. I've taken an Irish friend out who, who was here actually, who stalked him to a roebuck so big, and he's a Koshi Ranger, he's a Forestry Commission Ireland Ranger. Yeah. He's used to seeing the gold medal seeker. Yeah. He couldn't shoot it. Um, and I. I George, you're not going to shoot it. And he just said, ah, oh, Jesus, man, can you not hear in my heart from there? <laughs> you know? So he actually put the rifle down yeah. and let it walk away. Yeah. Right decision. And that all comes with experience, which we, we were chatting on off camera. Um, is that deer management? I don't think that is. I think that's deer stalking. But I think deer management does require some more ruthless thought behind it, potentially. Or not. Um, or the other way. I've only, got, I've only got six roe deer on the estate, but I've got 400 fallow. So is my management, what's my management plan? My management plan might be to reduce the fallow population, but let uh, I mean ruthless not by killing, I mean in terms of, I must kill this many, and yeah. it, unfortunately, as long as it's safe and right, yeah. doesn't matter whether I don't fancy it because this needs to be done for the environment yeah, and the herd. Absolutely, and that'd be part of your management plan. Yeah. So, so I must kill this Coldness, many. Coldness, perhaps. Yeah, I must so, kill yeah. this many because. Yes. That then makes a plan. I, so. Yeah, that's full circle, wasn't it? Yeah. Right, thank you very, very much. I'll shake your hand, but we're a few weeks away from that yet. Um, my friend, what's your favourite deer to stalk? Muntjac. Full stop. I'm just so excited. Yeah, I just, well, we've seen why. Yeah. Thank you very much thank for your time. Good to see you again.